Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to thank our supporting partner for this month, and that's Wahoo. Wahoo are a market leader in road cycling, but still relatively new to the mountain bike world. However, they're super serious about getting stuck in and are already supporting top athletes like Tiny Seagrave, Danny Hart, Wim Masters, Brendan Fairclough, Loic Bruni, and many more. And I'm stoked for them to be supporting the podcast this month. Wahoo kindly supported my training for the EWS 100 in the Tweed Valley earlier this year. That means I've been using Wahoo products since November last year and I've personally found them to be really intuitive, robust and a great addition to my riding and training. The GPS watch, the Element Rival, provides you with everything you need for tracking your training right there on your wrist. With customizable profiles for each activity, it's your perfect companion for riding, gym sessions, indoor sessions and much more. If you want a GPS computer to mount on your bike, you've got the Element Bolt or Roam to choose from. I've been using the Bolt, which is the smaller of the two. It's got fully customizable data screens on a super easy to read display and it connects to your phone for super simple setup. I also have a Wahoo Kicker Smart Trainer, which has been invaluable for targeted interval sessions, allowing me to really take my training up a notch. Pair the Kicker with Wahoo X, their one-stop shop for training and virtual racing platforms, and you never know, you might even start to enjoy some indoor training. All of those pair with the awesome Wahoo Ticker Heart Rate Strap, which is super comfortable to wear and gives you the most accurate heart rate data for all your training. You can check out all that Wahoo has to offer over at wahoofitness.com. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. There's buttons to help you get that done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. Merch is available if you want to support the show. That's over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Also, I'd love as many of you as possible to get behind our print project with the awesome team over at Misspent Summers. It's called Downtime EP. It comes out twice a year and it's a timeless, beautiful piece of mountain bike history to have, hold, read and cherish. You can get single copies of back issues or you can save yourself a bit of money by treating yourself to an annual subscription over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. You can also get in touch and give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook by heading to at downtimepodcast. All right, Ethan Craig has had an incredible first elite season, taking an amazing seventh place in Monson Anne. We sat down to find out more about this upcoming talent, hear about Ethan's background in high-level BMX racing, find out how he ended up riding for GT Factory Racing and what this support has meant for him. We dig into Ethan's process, his warm-up routine, how he finds his race pace and plenty more. So, without further ado, here's Ethan Crake. Ethan Crake, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. Thanks very much for having me, it's an honour to be here and... uh great to have a chat with you cheers mate yeah i'm stoked and you're um you're nursing a little bit of a, a sore back at the moment huh yeah um it's getting it's getting worse like it's it's got worse since yesterday um finals day first round just came in a bit too hot into a root section before the road gap and uh and bend it onto some roots straight onto my back so oh, that's it's, a um, fast section as well huh yeah you have to slow down quite a bit tried to do the triple in to those and then expected the route to be a little bit dry so but they weren't oh man <laughs> but yeah not good how did that feel for your race run was it holding you back yeah um i got down after my first practice round and, and was like not sure on doing a second round and then i was like i probably should to just get into the flow and feel how it should be um and then race run like the first corner i was just like 
wow that is an intense pain oh dear <laughs> so that every time my body twisted or my legs got put out of position it was just a constant pain down the whole track so not pleasant but just, yeah where did you finish finished 26th in the end so 26th in the world on a bad day yeah on a bad day i'll, I'll take it but i felt good all week and it's a bit disappointing to uh to not get the riding i know i can do for sure and you've been showing us that all season we'll talk about about that in a bit more detail later on for sure but let's go right back and tell us a little bit about how you got into bikes and riding in the first place because was bmx kind of a thing for you before mountain bike yeah so i had i did 11 years in bmx racing okay um doing world championships nationals regionals every race my dad could my dad or mum could take me to so that was definitely a big part of my life um what age were you when you started that my first bike was i think it was two <laughs> like just in the back garden just playing yeah. about um my dad built me some built, built me and my brother some rollers in in the flower bed which my mum <laughs> my wasn't too happy about but uh nice. No flowers, but more rollers and yeah, training for me. Like so. a mini pump track to get you going. Yeah, literally just like five rollers that I could... When I got to three and four, I was like doubling and or double mangling. So yeah, it was definitely <laughs> a good start. Quality. And where does the, the competition element come from? Did your parents take you racing or did you see racing and want to go? Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I, I don't think I was the one that put myself into it or asked to do it. Okay. I think... My first race was probably like four or five at just a local track, just yeah. seeing how it goes. And um, progressively over time, went to regionals and then nationals. I think my first national was six, five or six. Um, and then started winning and seeing a little bit of a future in it. Uh-huh. So... Yeah. yeah, and is it is it easy to pick up kind of sponsorship at, at that age in in that discipline these days? Um, back then it was, it's, it's a bit of a hard sport to get sponsorship in, um, because it is kind of a small sport uh-huh. in the grand scheme of things. But I, it was mostly for me just like frame deals all the way, and then to the last three or four years, it was them paying for my entry fees and okay. stuff which were a big help for for us yeah what sort of level did you get to with it then you mentioned you're racing like world's level yeah so got to the world well my first world championships was uh eight years old <laughs> That's um, mad. it was in uh copenhagen okay in denmark so my dad drove me three days uh day and night all the way there and I was on flat pedals, got to the semi-final, everyone else in clips, like, and I was in last, four people crashed, got into the <laughs> final, got sixth in the world at eight years old, so that was pretty cool. That's incredible, dude. Yeah, and then the following year was in Birmingham, uh, so not as big as a drive, but yeah. I got managed to get second there, uh, nearly got the win, but... We won't talk about that. <laughs> Is you still a bit bitter about that? Yeah, one? a little bit. <laughs> Fair play. And then just kept going and got into the um, got into the Olympic program for two years, uh-huh. and then that sort of just put me off a bit. Oh, really? Yeah. So was that a British cycling led thing? Yeah, that was a British cycling youth development team. Okay. Does that mean you end up going up and being based in Manchester, or is that still from home? That's from home, but yeah. I think it 
we were doing like every other weekend in Manchester, both okay. days training. Yeah. So and a lot of structure to that. Yeah, quite a bit of structure. At a young age, it was probably a bit too much. How old are you then? Like, are we talking eleven or something? That was thirteen. I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was definitely um, it was quite a like rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At thirteen years old, seeing what you got to do. Um, but yeah, I think I just enjoyed mountain bikes more, so I transferred over. Fair enough, but quite quite a good grounding though, I guess. Like to have that experience of what it takes to kind of move up to the real top levels of a sport, like an insight into the training and and the work ethic that's required, but maybe just a bit too soon. Yeah, it was definitely like from a young age, you've got to have those skills and BMX is definitely like a gateway into every uh, mountain bike or two-wheeled sport. So yeah. it was definitely a good skill builder and showed me what I needed to do to get into the top level of riding. But um, yeah, a bit too soon, a bit too much at that age. So Yeah, fair play. So where does mountain biking come in then? How did you discover that? So... Throughout my time doing BMX, I've been doing because the BMX season was quite short, uh-huh. um, only like eight races in the nationals and then a few regionals and worlds and yeah. stuff. And my dad and my brother and myself would just go mountain biking as like training, okay, almost like we our local would be Rogate, so we just do as many runs pushing up, yeah, and we saw that as a good kind of training, so that's how we got into it and then it built from there. you decided you'd like to have a go at racing it yeah so my first races were like the the rogate and tibworth races yeah um gradually started to win those and then kind of when i got sick of bmx i was like yeah why not give this a go you know sweet mm. and you mentioned you got a it's a younger brother right yeah lucas yeah he's two years younger and he is into mountain biking as well now he's racing yeah he's on the the muck off young guns team yeah um done a few world cups this year so yeah sweet do you think that helps having a brother that's doing a similar thing is it like does it push you is it cool to have someone to ride with is there like a a rivalry or like a bit of battle between you um not so much like a rivalry it's just banter between us (laughs) i mean we're always at each other's necks like oh you do this line you send this or whatever yeah it just just progresses each other i mean at the level i am now it's good to have a younger brother so i can just offload some of it to him uh-huh. and make sure or not make sure but like help him progress yeah help bring him up yeah, yeah. they seem to be doing well that muck off young guns team there's some uh some talented riders there and good to see him yeah moving their way up yeah they're doing good yeah so it's cool good, to see. good stuff so racing in those early days you say it was more kind of local you started to do pretty well, started to kind of, I guess, go to bigger and bigger races. How did you go about like getting some support from brands and stuff at that, that early phase of your mountain bike career? Um, so at like the places like Rogate and stuff, you'd obviously meet people. And my dad was always chatting to people whilst I was riding and they'd always go up to him and be like, what's this, what's the deal with this guy? And, What's the, who's this and they'd be like oh it's my son and stuff and then we got talking to some bike shops and stuff and one of them was keen to support me and my brother so we were on like they started a little team uh-huh. um, 
just to give us some discount really on parts and stuff because mountain biking is quite expensive to be honest um, <laughs> it's not the cheapest sport is no. it but they just gave us loads of support um shout out to the riders guild yeah nice brett and everyone steve they're big support in the early days yeah um that gave us a lot of help in nationals and then like once you get well my first national i actually won it which was like the sickest thing ever because i cool. was like wow that's we, we in youth yeah first year yeah. youth i did the last race of the season in hopton oh yeah yeah um so Payton's last event yeah so, yeah that was that was pretty cool to win that one that's not a bad start is it no <laughs> and then like that was the time i fully went from bmx to mountain biking so. yeah that's when you knew you had some potential there to yeah make it stick in mountain biking yeah did, at that point did you think it could be a career or was it still just something you were enjoying and were competitive at and wanted to see where it went um yeah i started to realize that i could have a future in bmx but it wasn't going to be probably as good as i wanted it to be yeah um so that's when i was like really putting my full training and riding mm, everything into mountain biking and then obviously watching the world cups at home you're like wow could i ever be at one of those races you know yeah so yeah yeah so that's only what like five or six years ago that would be four years ago four years ago yeah. man so who are you looking up to i guess it's the current crop like loic loris yeah. yeah literally was yes yeah, yeah. And now you're now you're here racing them. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. So you had that bit of support, Riders Guild. Big shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a quality leg up there. How did the GT thing come about? Because that's been a real big change for you, I guess. Yeah. So I was on like a a little team after Riders Guild uh, indie racing, and they Gareth gave me a, a common cell to ride and stuff, and then. I met Mark Noble at a Tidworth race, uh-huh. who's like, um, he was like, I don't know what his actual job was, but he worked in GT UK. Yeah. And he came up to me at one of the Tidworth races and was like, if you ever want a free bike for next year or anything, uh, come to me and we'll chat things through. And I, I went to him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was very keen on that. For sure. Sounds like a good deal. Yeah. yeah at 14 or well, 16 you're like yeah that's the best thing ever yeah um so obviously went to him and then that was my second year uh in youth uh-huh. so 16 year before junior so it's like your proving year yeah where you can get a contract um didn't have the best of seasons i only finished like one or two races but got to chatting with well i just asked mark if there was any chance of getting on the the gt team um and Steve Spencer saw uh, something in me, and which I was very surprised about. Uh, <laughs> he didn't quite have that faith yet. Then. <laughs> no, not just yet. After that season, I was just like, wow, I've really got to step my game up. Okay. But um, he luckily luckily saw something and, and then just got chatting with him and then got on the team for the first year junior. Incredible. And you say you felt like you had to, st- to kind of step it up what did you feel was missing at that point? Like, what did you think you had to work on? Um, getting full runs together was very hard for me at the start. Okay. Like, I could section a piece of track because that's what I did throughout my, like, 
young age doing BMX and stuff. Yeah. I could section a bit and get it mint every single time, but a full track all together, one run, uh-huh. like finals run, was quite hard for me. Yeah. And then kind of got like a bit nervous each run yeah. of putting it together because I hadn't in the past. So I was just like, yeah, three minutes, you need to get it all perfect to win. Like it's quite hard to do at the start. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I feel like I needed to do. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, they're not easy things to no. to sort for sure. And you came into junior with that GT factory deal, which is incredible. But you, I guess, got a bit stuck out, caught out in that it was that COVID year, wasn't it? It was 2020 was your first year junior, right? Yeah, 2020, COVID year, as we say. Yeah, yeah. was that tough for you? Because you've got all that excitement about joining a new team. You've got that move up to junior. You've obviously done a lot of work in the off season to close some of those gaps that you've kind of picked up for yourself and then suddenly the racing's getting cancelled it's got to be tough yeah I mean as a team we did a team camp in Luso which was going to be the first round yeah like two weeks before and then we found out the day after we got back home that it wasn't happening and we were like what do we do now (laughs) are we racing this year what am I going to do at home with not being able to go outside and stuff like that. So it was quite a shocker. Um, It wasn't the, what I thought was going to be my first year junior. It wasn't going to be like that, but luckily at the end it turned out pretty good. Was it hard to keep motivated, like from a training perspective and also just access, I guess, to be able to get out and ride trails because you're based in Portsmouth. It's not known for its big hills, is it? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't the most ideal place to be in <laughs> in lockdown. Um, just that jump session in for like five months. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was. I just kept training. To be honest, um, as soon as I found out I had the GT deal, I was like, right, time to sort my training out. Time to prioritize training. Yeah. Time to eat right and everything like that. And I was so invested to really get into a good junior year uh-huh. um, and then that happened and you're like should I keep training or will I burn out yeah it's a very it's a good possibility so I was I honestly kept training I went I took a couple I actually got injured okay which forced me to take some time off which was probably good uh-huh. otherwise I was probably going to burn out um, but yeah and then the races started going and you're like, oh, this is sick. <laughs> yeah, nice. Did you get some help with that? Like the the training side of things and the nutrition side? Or is that, did you carry across experience from BMX? Um, training, I hit up Fit for Racing. Okay. Because I saw they were training a few riders and I was like, because I didn't really know what to do for downhill. Uh-huh. And then they started sending me programs and stuff and it was much more than... I thought I should be doing which okay. was which was pretty cool because I was like wow I actually need to do a lot yeah um and then just kept with them till now so oh, yeah. good stuff seems to be working out right doesn't it yeah what um yeah so first big race I guess for mountain biking at least first sort of opportunity to race on the world stage was world champs in Leogang then yeah yeah that's was... pretty wild but I guess you've got at least you've got that experience from the BMX side of being involved in a, an event of that level I suppose yeah so I'd done like five world championships in BMX so uh-huh. I was a bit like right this is the world's it's the highest level you need to sort your stuff out yeah. going in like you need to do everything um, 
And then I was actually a reserve because of my really bad youth year okay. before that. And then luckily someone pulled out so I could go. Yeah. Um, and then it was Leah Gang, which was like the toughest race I've ever raced. <laughs> For a first year junior, you're like, wow, yeah. this is a World Cup. You That's know? a bit of an awakening, isn't it? Yeah. Those woods were treacherous. Yeah. yeah. Were they worse in the morning with for you guys or? Yeah. It was drying through the day, right? So you yeah. Got, you got the worst of it. We got the worst of it for sure. Yeah. yeah. It must be pretty insane then to suddenly be at an event with all those riders that you've been watching on, on the live feed and stuff and looking up to for so long. Yeah. Like even the first time I met Wynn and Martin and Noga at the team camp, I was like pretty starstruck. Uh, and like you real didn't, you quiet. didn't know them before no no okay like real quiet just like wow these are people i've just been watching on youtube you know yeah <laughs> you'd never really think you'd meet them and then you're walking around the pits and there's people like aaron Gwynn and danny hart and everyone like that and you're just like wow it's <laughs> pretty you're cool here, you know yeah was did you find it easy to start to feel at home in that gt team it seems like a nice bunch yeah yeah they're a good bunch um got some got some shit from when <laughs> as as every junior does but it breaks you in fast and, and you get used to it and you you build a good team relation uh very shortly yeah yeah the kiwis like a bit of banner eh? yeah they love it <laughs> yeah good stuff so yeah 11th at that first world champs were you happy with that i'm guessing the little that i know you probably not no i crashed three times yeah um just Got all it got it all good. Had to overtake someone on the motorway. That's not that's not an easy place to get no, through. Which is pretty tough. Yeah. Um and then like it was carnage in the woods. I must have passed like ten people, I'm not sure. But there was just like I crashed three times, went into tree twice and then <laughs> just absolutely face fired one time. So if I stayed on it would have been a good result, but I didn't, so live and move on yeah it was a good learning curve yeah well and and you were on a learning curve right so maribor went a fair bit better with a fourth and a seventh yeah interesting track that fast right yeah it was fast um never really rode rocks like that before uh-huh. i was like yeah this is a world cup track because you you've mostly ridden in the south of the uk where it's not that rocky or just because it's a unique type of rock in maribor it's a bit of both okay um the only kind of rock I rode in UK was like Revolution, which is like slate, so it's yeah. just slippery. But that is like quite grippy, so you can actually go as fast as you can for mm-hmm. it, um, which was different. And then, yeah, I was happy with the fourth. Uh, once I got the fourth or seventh, I was like, oh, you got seventh. <laughs> yeah, it's never, but, you're not going in the direction you want to be, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, luckily it got better. Yeah, yeah. And it was a hectic because it was kind of all back to back and all the double headers and everything. And then we went off to Lusa. And you took your first junior win in the first round there. Yeah? yeah, that was a special moment. Um, I don't even remember much about it, to <laughs> be honest. It was just like surreal. I I never thought in the first year junior I, I would have won um, coming into that season. So that was just insane. Yeah. Never really thought that would happen. Definitely, man. And do you think that was what was going on that helped you get to that? Was it the fact that you'd learned some things through those first races? Was it because you'd been to Looser in that training camp and that you had that familiarity which you not you didn't have at the other tracks? Like, what do you think was behind that result? Yeah, I think some familiarity came into it. I mean, 
it's always good when you know a track before you go to it uh-huh. um and then once again just like learning everything each race learning off martin loads learning off wind loads about how to approach a race how to do a race what you need to do in practice and everything and then a week before Lucas, i went out to uh sintra in portugal with yeah. win and we just did like a little just like a riding week but um it was just fun relax and got me in the mood to ride you know yeah so yeah. that put me in a good mindset and i was just stoked to ride which was obviously beneficial it's a good place to be yeah you you said you learned a lot from those guys was it kind of process related stuff to like how you work your way through the week are there certain things that you remember taking on there that you still have as part of your process yeah like warm-up routine was a big one okay um how many runs to do what to do first run what to do second run what to do last run okay timed runs was a big learning curve because i've never really done those okay um and then just stuff like nutrition basic stuff like that yeah you say basic but i think there's still a lot of riders probably that don't fully understand all that stuff like yeah it it was good to have people like martin and win there so i could watch them watch their breakfast yeah because what i had for breakfast before then was not good compared to what i have now <laughs> god then what what's the before and after at home it was just like really like just sugary cereals and stuff like yeah. that and then once you get there and you see what they eat and you're like oh that's how i should be eating so what sort of stuff might a race day breakfast look like these days um just like just healthy stuff like uh, eggs and avocado on toast yeah it's pretty good pretty standard breakfast for me uh-huh um loads of berries and some hot porridge is good nice just like slow releasing energy some fruit and stuff like that yeah so. And are there particular elements of your warm-up routine that are super important to you then? Like what what stuff do you feel gets you, or helps you get ready? Um, one thing that actually helps me is dealing with like the nerves. Um, okay. So I don't have any music or anything on. Um, I don't really talk to my mechanic on that. I just really sort of focus in. And I'm not really, once I get to the, the start gate i'm just not really nervous at all interesting i'm just like right i've got to do a run as fast as i can yeah if i don't if i make a mistake it's it's a mistake you know it's not the end of the world yeah so yeah just getting in that state where you can actually reach your best performance is kind of where i want to be i don't want to be listening to music because i feel like it pulls my attention away from the task at hand okay um so it's just being just being able to be kind of quiet and on your own that helps you get in like drag yourself into that the zone i guess you'd call it yeah just like really being in the present you know yeah um have you got any techniques to help you other than that like the peace and quiet element of it like because there's a lot going on at the top of a world cup unless you're in the top sort of five or ten maybe which yeah okay you've been in this year but like there's a lot happening unless you're towards the back end of the pack how do you try and get rid of all that and like bring yourself towards that focus i can't really put my finger on it right as we're speaking right Uh now i mean i just sort of do it yeah it's like a weird it's a weird feeling you never really know how you do it or know if you're going to do it um 
some races you don't get to that you know i was gonna say like how yeah. how many race runs would you say in a year you manage to get to what you feel is that like optimum point before you drop in probably like 60 percent. okay that's pretty good though i think yeah. if you hear like even sam hill talking about getting into that zone that flow state it's it pretty rare like lower than quite a bit lower than that I think. yeah it is hard to do um obviously you're going to have little mistakes in your run but trying to get in that right headspace really sets you up in a good way yeah so have you had help with that or is that something you've puzzled over and worked out on your own yeah it's just racing for my whole life has sort of put me in that yeah position to deal with it correctly did you used to do something similar in bmx days yeah okay yeah i just wouldn't talk to anyone <laughs> <laughs> if it works it works yeah. right and does is your is it your mechanics job then to sort of clear the space around you sort of try and keep people away because sometimes people might come and want to say hello or yeah um i mean i don't mind if they say if they come and say hello or you just like wish someone else good luck or anything yeah. um but like most of the time other people are doing their own things so you're just like they're just on your own just dealing with it yeah so. true and towards the the latter end anyway most of the fans are working their way down the hill for the for the big show right at the end aren't they so there's yeah. not so many people at the top like on a fan side at least trying to say hello so yeah yeah something like that yeah interesting man interesting so yeah you finished up that season with the first and the third at Lusa. it's got to feel pretty good you've got that full factory support did you notice big differences going from the level of sport you had before to being on GT Factory? Like, what were the biggest changes for you? Um, yeah, there's insane amount of support. I mean, when I got my contract for, I was like, oh, I'm getting this, I'm getting this, I'm getting this. I was like, wow, that is a sheet of paper with everything I wish, wish for, yeah, ever dream for on it. And you're just like, how am I going? How am I getting that? You know, that's cool. Yeah. But I guess you don't want to waste that, right? That must be a motivator to be like, right, okay, if they're going to give me that, then I've got I've got to do this. Like, I've got to go all in. Yeah, you. as soon as I got that piece of paper through, I was like, like, I remember chatting to my dad on the way home from seeing that contract with Mark. And we were like, yeah, we need to sort some stuff out. Yeah. Like, training was a big one. Um, just eating right, everything. We went on the way home and we were like, yeah let's go all in yeah cool man and coming into 21 did you was there an injury there somewhere yeah what happened um <laughs> it's a bit of a sore subject i don't know <laughs> if i'm allowed to fully explain it but i'll just say i got a mechanical okay um i'll just say that yeah fair <laughs> enough. i got mechanical whilst doing some testing with the team yeah and it led to a uh it led to um I don't know what it was. It's like skier's thumb. Oh, yeah, where you pull your thumb back and yeah. it screws all the ligaments. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it just stretched everything yeah. and I couldn't grip whatsoever. Yeah. But yeah. Nasty. That wasn't a wasn't a great start to the season. No, these things happen though, to be fair, especially when you're pushing the limits and uh, and testing testing things out. So you, did you miss a couple of rounds? Yeah, I missed um, two rounds, I think. Yeah. I think it was Leergang and Leger. Do you I feel missed. that set you back in your training or...? Were you still able to kind of get in the gym and do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I stayed with the team until after Leger. I think it was like three or four weeks, maybe three weeks. And ever, like the whole time I was doing absolutely anything I could do to help the team whilst doing all the training that I could do. Um, I've still got working legs so I can 
yeah. train legs and everything like that. Um, just tried to keep doing what I was doing whilst healing my farm. Yeah, fair play. So did you feel like you were up to speed coming into Maribor? Because I think that was the first World Cup you did that year. Yeah, that was my first World Cup. Um, definitely wasn't up to speed. Okay. Done no races that year. <laughs> uh, oh, I think we'd done one race in Spain, but it was just like a local race. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely wasn't up to speed coming into that race. It was definitely a big shocker. Kind of forgot how to put that full run together, which I built in Lusa, which was a bit annoying. Yeah. Um, and just needed to iron things out in the next couple of races. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, sixth in Maribor, though, still pretty good because at that point we've got Jordan and Jackson both in the category. So the level of competition is just going up and up and up mm -hmm. in that junior men's category. Sixth is not a bad start considering where you came from. Yeah. Sixth isn't a bad start at all. But then when you end the season like 2020 and you're like overall champion and you won one. Yeah. You're like, wow, I want to win the rest of him, you know? Yeah. Okay. Although it might be unrealistic. That's what's just in your head. Yeah. You know, it sets the expectation. As an athlete. Yeah. yeah, totally. So next up was Valdesol for world champs. Yeah. yeah that was worlds. Fourth place, mm -hmm. which is a really, really good result. Yet again, I'm going to guess that missing that medal yeah. is a sore subject to some extent. Yeah, it's a sore subject, but I mean, second race, world championships. On a gnarly on, track. Yeah, the gnarliest track I've ever ridden. Yeah. Like, I was pretty happy about fourth, but then when you're at the finish and you're like, I'm a second behind a medal, you're like, wow, that sucks. That Yeah, that's got to hurt, hey? Yeah. How did it feel racing those guys? Because you were, I think it was Jordan... No, Jackson took the win, didn't he? Then Jordan and Lockie. Yeah. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good to have that very high level of competition. I mean, they were laying solid times that were competing with the top 20 men at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, so you're really trying to get the best of yourself out of yourself to even get a top three. Yeah. So um, it was sick to have, have those guys in. Um yeah, it's insane. I don't really think pushing I've, the limits, yeah, I don't so. think I've seen as stronger junior like top three or four or five for the last you know before a good while. Like the last couple of years has been yeah tough to be in that category. Right? Yeah, I mean, Jesus, they're getting top five times in the men's now. So wild. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely strong. Yeah, and then we had Lenzerhide and then a double header in snowshoe to kind of finish the season out didn't go super well from your perspective i'm guessing what what was happening yeah so lens i got a flat in my finals run um i got the flat like 20 seconds before the first split and was oh. only like 0.1 down at the first split no so it's like wow i'm riding fast yeah um i actually felt really good that race but unfortunately got flat which is obviously not what you want but you can't do anything about it yeah it's mechanical um and then snowshoe first race like the big bike park turns they were quite greasy and i yeah. slid out one of them so that wasn't a good race and then the second race at snowshoe uh just got a bit two finger happy on the brakes uh <laughs> let them go for a probably a split second longer than i should have on the jumps after the like through the trees at the top okay and yeah. just lamp flat absolutely busted my ankle oh man and then had a sprained ankle for like three weeks so 
Not good. Not the not the season I was looking forward to going into Elite. Yeah. That's for sure. Do you think you were just pushing like that bit too hard to try and compensate for a bad start to the season and a bit maybe a bit of frustration building? Yeah, I was super frustrated after Lenzerheide. You know, seeing that split and then getting the flat, you're like, could have been it. You know, yeah. could have been the ball that kept the rolling. Yeah, um, yeah. But unfortunately, it wasn't the one. Um, definitely frustrating but it happens in the sport yeah what do you do at the end of a season then do you look do you kind of look back and analyze your performance and look what you, what was good what wasn't as good as you hoped and then like use that to structure your, your winner or um i think i think i pretty much just the main thing i was looking at was my comparison to elite times yeah okay because you know you've got that move yeah yeah it's a massive step junior to elite it's the biggest step in the sport so yeah i was comparing my times and my qualifying times because obviously one of the main objective uh in elite is just qualifying yeah in your first year so i seen that i was placing like 36th in one of them yeah and that was like the main base and then to get better than that my goal was to be top 30 this season um and yeah nice just structure everything in the off season over those results and then be like positive going into it yeah because if you're negative going into it you're never going to be you're never going to get over it so for sure for sure and you made a few big changes coming into 2022 the first that i'm aware of is your mechanic rich simpson did you know rich before yeah so he's been like a like a sort of family friend for ages uh-huh. um my dad knew i've I've known him since my dad was racing okay so yeah a long time ago but, yeah yeah um yeah just sort of made a joke to him well he made a joke to me at one of the local nationals the year before like oh i could be a mechanic and then I saw his like data testing and everything. I was like, "Oh, well, that's interesting." And then just messaged him and see if he was keen, and he was down. So nice. Yeah. So GT give you that freedom to to bring your own mechanic on board. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was my old my old mechanic was re- relating to um, the injury I sustained uh-huh. in the start of the year, so it was a bit. Uh, sort of, I had to get a mechanic. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have one. Yeah. So he was my choice. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. it's good to have him. On yeah, board definitely. Now. Nice to have someone that you really want to work with as well. Like, yeah, he's just stoked. Yeah, it's like it's like a racing dad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been racing a long time. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. He knows he knows how it works. And then second is the new bike. Yeah, tell us a bit about that. It's quite a big change. Yeah, it was a big change. Um, like we raced Lords on the old bike. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't qualify there, and was like we were sort of really pushing for the new bike and then we got it and we were like oh stoked and it was so much faster like nice. even the first run we were like damn <laughs> that's a good bike you know lords must have been a tricky start to the season right because you'd never been there is that right yeah never been there. yeah the lift issues meant there was very limited practice yeah. it's your first race in elite so you're suddenly racing up against your heroes mm-hmm. Um, huge amount of pressure I guess on yourself to like get into that top 60 call even though your time suggests it's possible yeah how did it how did it feel like that's not the easiest first elite experience yeah it was 
it was definitely an experience that humbled me. Okay. Um, got free runs on practice days. So you're like, wow, how am I meant to work with that? That's you can't um, even. Well, I couldn't even learn a track in three runs, let alone yeah, get I, any I, speed. Yeah, I don't think I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, got somewhat into flow on qualifying morning, but okay. not really comfortable. Um, and then just had like loads of mistakes in my run which unfortunately allowed me in like 60 second I think which was oh, a bummer man. close point like, two, I think off qualifying no way yeah oh that's yeah that's like the worst yeah. way in a way it's humbling that's to for be sure. so close yeah but yeah I guess it shows you like right okay we've got some work to do yeah but the bike sounds like was a, a big part of that you got that a bit before Fort William yeah two weeks before okay so two how weeks. did you and Rich go about getting that you know set up ready to go because it's not a lot of time to get comfortable on a new bike, to get it set up for you, especially to get all the suspension dialed in, because I'm guessing the kinematics different from the old bike. I know Rich has had a fair bit of work with the Motion Instruments data acquisition system. Tell us a bit about how you guys worked together and went and got the bike set up. Yeah, so over the winter, with the old bike even, we did loads of data testing. You can see all the numbers and speeds that you like to get. Okay. And you like feel comfortable. So we went once... Even if it's like a not not good track, so we went to a side of the Pontypool Hill, mm-hmm. um, and it's not a very good track, but you can see the numbers on the suspension that you're comfortable going fast on. Yeah, and we found these numbers that we were like, I did one run and it felt okay. Yeah, and then the next run we changed loads, um, tried something completely different, and I was like, wow, the bike feels sick. I'm really comfortable with going fast on this bike. So those are the numbers that we set. Yeah. And then throughout this season, well, just starting on the new bike, like the first day, we just tried to get those numbers. Yeah. And we found them. And we were like, yeah. We got the speeds of the suspension and compression rebound and everything that we want. The bike feels sick and it's way faster than the old one. Interesting. So you're like, wow let's make this better the next two weeks just focus on that we had a two-day team camp with fox at dunkeld um that's that's a pretty gnarly track up there yeah it was slippery as well so it's a bit hard to do data testing with suspension but Uh um, still got some positive results from that and then got home and did more testing yeah and then we came into fort william Oh, actually, we did the Fort William National. Uh, right, like a week before, yeah. two weeks before? Yeah. Two weeks before, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, we got the free, but three weeks before that. Okay, We yeah. did the National two weeks before, um, which was so good because I've ridden there once. Okay. Like every National there's ever been, I was injured, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of sucked. Um, so I had to learn the track that time. Yeah. So I could really get comfortable for the World Cup. Um and then just found those speeds that I was comfortable on in the data. And we were like, yeah, let's just leave that for the World Cup. And it, were you gradually, like, is the progression through all those test sessions that you were gradually making rebound and compression speeds faster or slower? Like, what's the general trend? Um, just within a, within a bracket. So uh-huh. Rich does this thing where he averages out all the speeds between every test session that we have. Okay. And then if we get into in between that bracket, we normally just leave it. And I 
then get up to speed. Okay. It normally takes us at a World Cup like one to two runs to get right. the bike set up now. Nice. Which is absolutely perfect because yeah. it then leaves me the rest of the day and then the next morning to get ready for quali. Yeah. Whereas before we were doing tests, like we, I couldn't get the bike set up in my junior years before qualifying, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we found those speeds that we really like in that bracket and then just every race do that. Um, and then went into Fort William, yeah. Yeah. And Fort William qualified? Yeah, qualified 14th. That's not bad, is it? Yeah. I was. <laughs> I came down to finish. Everyone was, my whole family was there. Um, just like really surprised. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Were you surprised? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, I would have thought that was a track that would suit me. Okay. Um, what does a track that suits you look like, do you think? I don't know. I don't, really no I mean, okay i just thought it'd be too long for me right to really strive okay but it turned out to be the opposite yeah it was mad, like, eh? i normally get better as longer i get down the track yeah so my first split's always like like 30 to 40 yeah which is like quite bad which i need to sort out in the future okay <laughs> but then it always gets better down and then i was like 35th 25th 20th and then 14th at the finish sweet which was pretty cool to see that i could do it with my fitness on on the long tracks so. yeah and you're you're probably given the amount of times we've been to fort william and you've only ridden there the national like two weeks before and then yeah you're up against a lot of guys that have ridden there many 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 times right so yeah. to put down a 14th in qualities against that field as well yeah that's got to be a big boost of confidence yeah i came across the line and saw everyone at the finish, like my whole family and friends. And I was celebrating like I won, you know. <laughs> There's a video of me just going crazy. But yeah, it, it did feel like a win going into 14th and qualifying at Fort William. Like your third time being there. So, nice. Yeah. How did the race run go down? Because the conditions were rough that weekend, right? Yeah, it got real rough by race run. Yeah. And um, the track was deteriorating a lot. Uh-huh. Um, had a real good top section. I was like, I think I think I was second in the key section, which was at the top, like the pinball bit. Yeah. Um, and then got to the deer gate and the exit of the berm was just nowhere to be seen. <laughs> so I push in front wheel washers over the bars and you're like, wow, oh, Jesus. Oh, man. That sucks. Got on and then just tried to save the rest of it. But yeah. yeah. 53rd in the end? Yeah, which... All you can do with a crash, pretty much. But knowing that the pace is there. Yeah, yeah. So coming out the weekend with, some, I guess, some good confidence from that, right? You've got yeah. to be happy with that. You knew you were on pace. Second in the key section as well. Yeah. Starting to pique people's interests. And... Yeah, that was really the main focus for me of that weekend was getting second in that key section. Because although it's like 25 seconds, you're the second fastest in the world at that bit. Yeah. And you're that just boosts your confidence like, it was just mental to see that I could do it yeah, on that yeah. short bit. And now I just need to progress it all across the whole track. Yeah. Um, so that really gave me a lot of confidence going into the next round. Yeah. So do you actively like try to focus on the positives from a race rather than that? Cause it'd be easy to, to focus on that crash, right? Yeah. But you've tried to sort of move that aside maybe and pick out the good bits. Yeah. Like now even I forgot I had a crash. At okay. Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, that you forget but 
I sort of focused a lot. Um, like even just having a new bike for three weeks and then getting into that position, like 14th and then second in the key section. And like, wow, this new bike works. I'm riding decent. Let's carry on and do a full run. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Top top work, man. And then we were on to Lear Gang from there, back to that awesome wood section. Mm-hmm. I think it was in slightly better condition than the World Champs in 2020, but it was still yeah, challenging. It was yeah. Still gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. It was. It was still super gnarly. I obviously had a lot more experience uh, doing a full World Cup run and what to expect at that point at that at those conditions. Yeah. Um, and nice to come back to a venue that you know as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely better coming into an event that you're familiar of how it's going to ride and yeah. how it's going to develop so that was pretty good yeah and that that week went pretty well i think yeah it was my well my best result um at that point in time yeah so i was stoked on that i think i don't know what result i don't know. uh I you were 28th in the 28th, year game. yeah yeah top 30 these days is um yeah it's cool it's really cool yeah. you're in with some pretty big names at that point yeah like the whole week was going pretty well. Didn't have too many crashes, but then finals morning, you're like trying to figure stuff out, going a bit faster. Uh-huh. Um, had a huge and like ripped my whole pants, like <laughs> on my first run. So like going down the rest of the run, like everyone saw my <laughs> pants and everything. It's kind of weird, but yeah. And then second run had another crash in the woods. So I was like, oh, need to just get down. Yeah. get a solid result and show that I can just put a solid one on on the leaderboard um, and then got 28 so I was really happy with that yeah that's really cool yeah. and a lot of a lot of juniors are kind of well known for crashing I guess like struggling to find that balance between going really fast and going too fast yeah. um, do you feel like that was still going on when you made that step up into elite or like how do you look at that that, that fine balance between ultimate like optimum speed i suppose versus too much yeah it's it's a very fine balance it's like almost too fine (laughs) um but i think this year i've matured a lot in Uh my riding okay a lot more just controlled whilst going fast but just just in that control where you can go fast can you how would you describe like how you do that is it possible to even describe how you do that yeah it is a hard one um i think probably just knowing what your limits are okay um in practice you can do sections and be like right that's the limit let's go like five percent down from that for my race run okay um so you will go sometimes you will go over what you think race pace is in practice yeah okay yeah just to see what what it could feel like at that pace but then just knock it back a bit so because you'll obviously be fatigued at some sections yeah especially down the bottom where in Leogang is the hardest bit of the track yeah and it's like a minute long so you definitely gotta just pace yourself and then just knock five or ten percent down yeah from that speed that you know you can be okay on the limit for and when you're finding or going a little beyond that limit is that is that note like that acknowledgement to you that you've gone at or beyond the limit like how do i explain this is it is it a crash 
or is it a like oh that was close kind of feeling like how do you know when you found that i think it just hits you as soon as you hit that section fast you're uh-huh. like yeah that was perfect just when you get a section perfect you're like yeah, yeah that's fast smooth controlled not five percent off that that's my race pace because okay. you you can do sections as fast as possible in practice but then you'll be fatigued coming into that section so you won't hit your lines uh-huh. you'll be coming in faster so you have to judge your braking better you have to know where to turn and everything like that there's yeah. a lot that comes into it so. yeah super complex there's a lot going on in your head huh yeah yeah incredible so yeah 28th in there gang off, off to lens height first time there no second time yeah. second time there ah oh, yeah okay because yeah, so we've done it the previous year in yeah. an interesting track to get to grips with that and some interesting sections that they threw in this year as well yeah came into that week i don't know if you know but i was super sick right okay um like riding from the house to the pits was like a a k or a mile i don't not sure but it absolutely killed me oh man so i was like wow just need to get through this weekend try and qualify um didn't in the end yeah um and it was a tough track i mean what you know to be lens hide it wasn't lens hide yeah it was different <laughs> uh, right? it was definitely a lot of, it was almost like what we've seen here in Leger, a bit a bit more wide yeah loads of more line choice um it developed a lot more obviously because it was fresh yeah way more natural and less bite part than some of the previous deer gangs yeah yeah it was it was an eye-opener could you expect something and then it's not yeah so you're like yeah that's changed my setup and a tough week to get through if you're pretty under the weather there was a lot of people there with covids or flus or yeah. some kind of stuff like quite a few people were definitely low on energy for sure yeah something was going around i mean i wasn't getting to sleep for like two and a half hours just because of coughing yeah um which obviously has its own impacts but then mix out with a blocked nose and headaches and not sleeping it's just a recipe for disaster so yeah yeah how did the qualifying run go did you you did go up right yeah i, did, yeah. I went up um got to the start gate and i was like dizzy <laughs> oh, like man. looking at the timer going down i thought i saw like eight seconds but it was like 28 <laughs> so i almost went like 20 <laughs> seconds early and i'm like oh my god this is gonna be a mess yeah so I, as soon as i got out of the gate i was just like let's just get down yeah, safely not safe. injure myself yeah almost had a huge over the bars in the rocks because my perception of speed was just so off um got to the bottom and it just wasn't enough which was kind of a blessing in disguise yeah like i wasn't really feeling up to do a race day fair play which was kind of good yeah and yeah. it gives you a bit of time to like recover i guess it's another day that off that you wouldn't have had if you had qualified yeah um with a race back to back with valnord and valnord in itself was like i found i don't know i personally found it a pretty tough place to be it was stupidly hot yeah the logistics of actually getting to the race itself was a nightmare pretty much a nightmare because you've got to get up a lift and then find a shuttle and you yeah. guys like your pits were well your actual pits were miles away from the bottom of the track and yeah a bit of a faff were you feeling back on form by then like did you have your energy back yeah i had my well it was sort of like just going i actually like race day was the first day i felt like i didn't have a cold or anything okay so i was like okay cool but just like the whole week of that track was quite an eye-opener yeah mean, i've never gone that fast in my life before <laughs> <laughs> like people like previous elites or current elites have had like 
the old monster now where it's just flat out down and they know that speed yeah whereas coming from the southern uk yeah where it's all like five like 10 15 mile an hour and then you're hitting the sections at like 60 you're like jesus <laughs> yeah there was some that insane like straights that weren't quite straight and had big compressions and just watching you guys through those was i was scared on your behalf yeah i got scared track. in my run <laughs> yeah 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 like halfway down i hit a section way faster than i ever had and then like almost binned it and was from there and just pegged it down a bit and got down yeah got my best result and then yeah it was just just a track that was really hard for as a british person to get to grip with yeah just not anything that i've ever ridden and it was falling apart right it was pretty beat up yeah it was super beat up it yeah. was just dry the whole week so nothing really got fixed or anything so yeah, yeah. mad but 22nd yeah so we're on the up yeah best result i mean just happy to put another solid one down i felt like that week was definitely a struggle with getting grips to that track so just to put a good one down and then obviously be better than my best results was, yeah was good to see yeah. yeah keeping the build going and i guess the confidence is coming with that yeah yeah it definitely came with it I yeah mean, going from that to snowshoe was was a pretty good pretty good um balance yeah yeah, yeah. and snowshoe i mean the weather was horrific <laughs> from what i can see yeah and the rock garden there just looked horrific in those conditions like pretty scary to try and get through that thing fast and i guess the brits are well known for being pretty good in the mud and and a, a good chunk of brits went well there yeah how was how was your week because it's a pretty unique track i think quite different to a lot of the other world cup stuff yeah it was good to have been there before Okay. I'm sort of expecting know what to happen, but it was pretty dry. Yeah. The, the year I went, so then coming into wet, you're like, well, this is a completely different track than I've ever, than I've ridden. Um. Sort of just got into that practice mind of just getting down the track. Okay. <laughs> um, getting some lines down, but then it's kind of like a one line track anyway. Yeah. Um, just getting grips to that limit again because on those conditions it's so easy to slide out if you're outside of one of the ruts you're gonna high side or anything so yeah just getting grips to go to those conditions again um like british conditions again yeah, yeah. uh it was pretty good um i think i am probably a bit better at slower tracks obviously because i'm from from england so yeah yeah not not the fastest tracks in the world there but yeah it turned out to be a good week it did yeah talk us through your race run race run uh it's pretty wild <laughs> <laughs> i mean i knew that it would be it would be slippery but some sections would be really dry because it was like drying out throughout the whole day yeah um and then at the top i realized that some bits was like super dry so i could actually push like real hard uh -huh. and then got into the fresh bit just wanted to get through that because the ruts were like a tire width deep um no a tire width wide yeah and then like super deep so if you're out of one you're just going to crash so got through that bit and then uh unclipped off the the rock drop thing which is pretty sketchy the double drop yeah oh, um and then you get into the rocks you know like oh just let me get through this bit <laughs> um 
please just don't crash. Um, Almost did twice. Is it a case of just sort of going in with a pace and holding on and pointing it in the direction you want to go and like a bit, a little bit of luck with it or is there a technique? Like, I mean, there is sort of a technique of riding in that condition. Like, um, literally the most important thing in that condition is setting up into your line. Right. Because if you're in your line, just let go of your brakes. Because if you're on the brakes through that rock and that moisture on the rock, which was, and dirt that was getting onto the rock was yeah. just like, if you braked, you're sliding completely. Yeah. So just try to set up for everything perfect. So I just, could just then let go and then just let the bike and body dance. Um, and then there was two like massive mistakes in my run near the bottom. Um, just got offline because it's just like it's slightly off camber there and just nearly died like, <laughs> is just, it still in the rocks yeah yeah, yeah. like literally like 20 seconds back of the like the road at the end yeah and like near death moments <laughs> but then got through and then just went into the last bit as fast as I could um, you're obviously gassed by that point because it's like super slow track super physical because it's slow um and then came across the line and i was like stoked on that time so yeah yeah 12th place man yeah 12th the, place the build starting to accelerate at this point yeah it was starting to, i i was talking to the team and i was like yeah it's starting to it's starting to unravel you know um starting to like gauge what i can do um, yeah and to get a top 15 in my first year i was like yeah that's pretty sick <laughs> yeah yeah and again confidence takes another little step up that yeah. self-belief grows yeah so you rolled into Montanan feeling pretty good yeah like probably the most confident i've been coming into a race yeah um just because you're on like when you're on you're on you know yeah so it was pretty good yeah and that Montanan track i've never had the opportunity to go there but looking at it this year on the live feed and all the video coverage and everything i've seen from it look mint yeah like when we did track walk like the top bit was pretty much the same but then when we went into the new fresh loamy section you're like that is a sick track like i just lapped that other bike back there you know <laughs> um and then come practice you're like yeah that is like first run i was like that's the best track ever really you mm. got properly into it mm. it's a good mixture of stuff right there was still some fast sections some stuff in the open some slower bits in the trees yeah. that whole like horrific looking ledal rock section and yeah. greg's gap and all these bits and pieces there's a lot to that track yeah and like probably one of the most difficult section is at the bottom in the rocks you know so right when you're super tired yeah yeah and a track again that a lot of people in the in both men's and women's elite field have a good like level of experience on right people have been going back year on year and okay there were some big changes but first time yeah quite a lot of learning to be done yeah first time there i mean first run like we normally me and win normally follow ryan our junior yeah first run just to see what we what he's doing what the some of the lines are um and first run i was like wow that is a gnarly <laughs> fast technical tiring amazing track you know yeah so yeah it was a good experience coming into a, a fresh track and feeling that good like third round so it was cool yeah and how did the week unfold um it unfolded pretty well i think we built we got the bike set up like literally within i think third run 
we had it dialed and we lived it from there. We yeah. left it from there on. Yeah. Um. So we got the bike dialed and then just kind of built up the speed each run, not worrying about my lines too much. Okay. Um. And then qualifying morning sort of felt good. The set, the run before qualifying, I was like, wow, that was that was a good run. Just need to get down and quality get a safe one in. Yeah. And then uh, come qualifying run, uh, just get down and I'm like not even breathing. Like at the finish, like Cam was there and I was just breathing like I was at the top, like not even tired. Wow. And went into, uh, I think it's 20th. Yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, and that result with that run, I was like, okay, we got a lot more in the tank. Yeah, I could do us so much more in that run, but it was just a smooth one, which uh-huh. I was super happy about with qualifying. Yeah, um, and then finals morning, me and Win were like pushing each other to do a few lines. <laughs> nice. Um, we saw a few different things. Uh, I saw a gap that I wanted to do, and then there was a line in the new section that we all wanted to do, and then Win saw Win wanted to do the classic gap in the main rock garden. Yeah. So he did that. He got it smooth, showed me the clip. So then I sent it. <laughs> uh, and then like I did the other gap and then fresh section. And then he was, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah. And he did it. So we were just like back and forth helping each other each Sweet. run. So it was like a real good vibe coming into the final run. Yeah. And then just the final run, it all just all clicked together. Um, just approached it how I knew I could like went 5% down on the limit that I could, that I thought was the limit. Yeah. Um, made, <laughs> made two mistakes. One in the rock garden where I did the classic rock cut. Yeah. But cased it with that wheel. Oh man. Um, luckily it soaked it up. Yeah. And didn't push me over the bars. Otherwise I wouldn't have been dead. Uh, <laughs> and then like Greg Menard's gap came in way too hot off the first one and yeah. just couldn't. I was like, pre-hopping and jumping down not doing the gap yeah but i ended up like landing halfway down the gap <laughs> which was a big mistake but yeah looking back it might have been might have been a podium um for real fair play yeah if i didn't make those mistakes but yeah regardless seventh place best result top 10 yeah first year like yeah that was sensational. incredible yeah, yeah seventh place in your first year in elite there aren't that many riders that cross over these days against the field as competitive it is as it is and take a, a seventh. What was the reaction like from other riders? Because they must have seen you coming a bit throughout the year. But like, how how has it been? Like the camaraderie and the, like, are you, have you been welcomed into that like sort of elite group now? Yeah, it, it was a very warm welcome, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, just on the podium, like people coming across and like seeing me there and where I was on the hot seat or in second or third, just seeing me there and they were like, wow, it could get better for him and stuff. And they were like, You're, you've been on one recently. So yeah. it was definitely really cool sharing the podium with like Laurie Oliver as well, who's on one at the moment. Yeah, he is. Um, and Aaron Gwen as well. Like, yeah. He spoke to me for a bit on the podium and I was like, I can't believe I'm speaking <laughs> to him on the podium. He's like, yeah, it was just it's just been really supportive from other riders at the moment, um, which has been really cool to see and cool to be a part of. Yeah. yeah, man, incredible work. What do you think you've done this season then to help you get from 
like not qualifying at the start to by the time we get to Monsonan being in the top 10, well inside the top 10. Are there certain things you've changed? Is it just a an ongoing process? Um, I've sort of been just trying to treat things very, very like positive throughout the weekend. So Cam, who's our new like team manager or performance coach or whatever. It's yeah. Of, yeah. He's just been really focusing on getting us to be positive and seeing the positive in every single run. So that's been a change um, from previous years, which has helped me a lot. And then really trying to figure out that full run race speed. Okay. Um, doing a full run is so hard uh, at this level and getting a good position. So every race of my full runs have been getting better and better each time. Yeah. Um, are you doing more full runs than you would have done previously like throughout the week then is that part of that or are you still using the same kind of build up process yeah same kind of build up process I actually don't really do any full runs okay um, at any race to be honest because I'm like a I like saving my energy and stuff and yeah like seeing sections that I do get fatigued at and if I fatigue like I will stop and then think about if I need to change my line because if I'm fatigued at that bit and the next bit's really hard, yeah, probably want to change to an easier line yeah. that I can just hit real fast. Um, so just trying to be really smart with my riding and just get that full solid run together. Yeah. So yeah. your first run, first full runs a quality run. Yeah. 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 So you'll do only do two full runs on a weekend generally. Yeah generally yeah. race run yeah that's pretty impressive man to yeah. be able to like piece it together and and go straight into that quality yeah it is i definitely use some some like bits of data so like gopro yeah oh if i stop like say two three times in a run or like once or twice i do piece it together like even just clips together yeah and then see what that full run time would be uh, okay so then i can sort of gauge what a time training yeah. full run time would be for myself okay and then i can be like well i need to go faster in this bit faster in that bit or then i'll do sections because there's like at world cups there's like they work out sections and they put those times in the top 20 right in each section and like if i'm in a few of the top 20 i'm like right okay it's going good yeah like just go a little bit faster and you'll be on for a good one nice. which has been which I actually have seen a couple of like inside the or close to the top ten. Yeah. Like inside the top twenty in those sections okay. on on the data sheet. So yeah. that has been good to see and, and a uh, a confidence booster going into qualities. So, so you, I'm not like fully yeah. in the dark. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But using that analysis to save basically to save your energy, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 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 Smart man. <laughs> I like it. Cool man. Well we're getting close to the end of our time. Sweet. Um but I'm really interested, like, you've come so quickly from looking up to these guys to beating these guys. Mm-hmm. How has that felt? Um, it's hard to describe it right now. I can't really think of a word. But you're just, like, it's pretty insane. <laughs> like, living in the moment and then you're like, I've just beat. I don't, I don't know if I beat him or not but I'd just be like Aaron Gwynn, for example. Yeah. 
and you're like, he's five times overall World Cup champion. You're like, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> like four years ago, I was just watching them, just thinking, oh, it'd be cool to just like qualify. Yeah. You know? But then you're like beating people like that and you're just like, Jesus Christ. Mad respect. <laughs> Insane stuff. Good yeah. work, man. Well, we're going to wrap up with our final four questions. Okay. The first of those, if our listeners had £150 to spend to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go and spend it on? Hmm. Good question. £150. Hmm. I'm not like fully sure, but brakes. Okay. Brakes are a big, uh, point for me yeah but also if it wasn't going to do brakes because they're quite expensive you might get one brake yeah um, tyres okay for sure yeah yeah and then also I'm super sensitive to tyre pressure okay so like I'll feel one PSI um, definitely no like, way every run yeah we've got to make sure they're the same because I'm super sensitive to that and then if you're sensitive to it like the correct tire for you is definitely the way to go with spending your money. Yeah, fair If you play. want to go fast. Do you use inserts as well or not? Yeah, one in the back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, very cool. What's your go-to brake? Uh, we've got the on Saints. On the downhill. Okay. Yeah. We've got the Saints on the on the downhill now. Yeah. But I am keen this winter to try the XTR because I do like the sensitivity a bit more okay. on my enduro bike than the downhill bike. Interesting. So. We want a bit the lever on. Yeah. yeah. And if you could only afford to upgrade one of your two brakes, would it be the front or the back? The front. Okay. Yeah. You're doing most of your work with that, right? Yeah. It's just a bit more... I can control my speed a lot more Okay. with the front brake. Um, I never used to use... Like, when as a kid, I was like, oh, I don't need a front brake. My dad's my dad's was like, yeah, you you'd be surprised if how many of the top boys use the front brake more than the back brake, you know? Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely front brake. Okay, good, like it. Yeah. Second one, if you could wind back the clock, which isn't very far for you, but and sit down with your sixteen-year-old self, what advice would you give him? Um, just chill out. I mean, the two years in junior is is a hard one for everyone, even if you're winning and everything. It's like you still got to learn so much to yeah. go into, make that step into the tour elite. Mm -hmm. So I'd say just chill out in, in race runs. Don't attack everything as hard as possibly as you can, because I wouldn't take that 5% off in my right. junior years, which yeah, is yeah. definitely a big mistake. I'd just go hundred percent. Yeah. Um, which worked like one times out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Do you think you'll have to start adding one or two or three of those percent back on at some point if you want to like really step onto the podium? Or do you think you can improve your riding from where you are to a level where you can still ride 5% off the limit and get a podium spot or a win, for example? Yeah, I think seeing some of the boys now, you're like, yeah, they're on 110%. <laughs> In spots, for <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, you're like, Jesus. You're watching them practice, you're like, damn. <laughs> he's going a okay. lot quicker and yeah. he's risking his life a lot more uh -huh. um, so yeah you definitely I think I will have to add some of those percents back on but I think if I focus on my riding enough to where I can be technically breaking in the right spots breaking for how le however long yeah. perfect amounts yeah. you can ride 5% and get on that podium Yeah, yeah. good work alright next one if you could have a coaching session from anyone past or present 
who would it be and what would you want to learn from them? Sam Hill. <laughs> and his balance on the bike. Balance. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. We've had Sam Hill like, let's say a hundred plus times to, as an answer to that question, but it's often like how he, you know, how he does an insight. I've never heard anyone say balance. I don't think. Yeah. Talk me through that. I mean, you can say you want to learn how to do an inside, but without balance, you're never going to do it. Okay. I mean, his balance on the bike, the way he sort of like leans, you can see him in different bits. He's leaning forward more than when in some other bits he's leaning back. And it's just, he's got a perfect balance to where his tires can grip and then not grip and catch at the last second and uh-huh. just make sure that he can be online at other times yeah just his balance is insane okay. just watching him you're like in awe you know yeah well that's you're the first person to uh work out his secret yeah. technique <laughs> yeah. so you hopefully you can emulate that yeah hopefully Job i'm done. trying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good work man all right uh last one what do you do every day that you feel benefits you every day at a world cup or just every day in general like in life yeah yeah um, any like rituals or things you always try and do in a day I try do a lot of analysis okay in my day whether it be GoPro or times like the qualifying day I was like as soon as the times came out I was working out how much I was back at every split uh-huh. what bits I was close at that I could add a percent or two yeah to get close to that win um, so just a lot of analysis I mean if you speak to my girlfriend, yeah, it's like when we're at home, I'm still watching uh, like Red Bull or like every run or my GoPro run from a year or two ago, just <laughs> working out what I did wrong, yeah, what I did good. Just, yeah, a lot of analysis, yeah. Fair play. You're a pretty committed lad, aren't you? Yeah, I'm committed to the job, that's for sure. Yeah, good on you. <laughs> Loving it. All right, man. Well, it's been really interesting. I'm very excited to see what the future holds for you. I hope the uh, sore back fixes itself as soon as it can. If not, we've got a pretty long off season before we've got to go yeah. World Cup racing again. So you've got some good time to get sorted. If people want to follow you in the meantime, where's the best place for them to look? Um, mostly just on Instagram, okay. at Ethan Crate, just my name. Um, uh, thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking to you and and great questions by the way cheers dude yeah it's 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 been cool on here i mean i've listened to a few of yours before and yeah it's always a good listen so check them out thanks mate yeah it's been uh it's been a lot of fun i've really enjoyed it all the best for the future we'll stick your instagram in the show notes so people can find that yeah. and uh hopefully we'll see you on a racetrack scene yeah hopefully the back sorts it out for next weekend so i can get another good result but nice yeah, one. sweet cheers thanks very much take care mate cheers All right, that's it for this episode with Ethan. I really hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thank you to Wahoo for supporting this episode of the show. If you want to get your training on track, then Wahoo have got you covered with reliable and robust technology like heart rate monitors, bike computers, trainers, and your one-stop shop, the Element Rival GPS watch. You can find out all about them and get your hands on them over at wahoofitness.com. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you never miss an episode forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch and forward slash EP if you want to get your hands on copies of our lovely print project Downtime EP. As always, spread the word, tell your riding mates and make sure as many people as possible are listening. 
That's it for today. We'll have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 